Welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click. I've got another fantastic episode lined up for you today as I'll be chatting with Lorfia Toa, the director of CRM at Helix Group. Helix are well-known for their mattress products, but over the years, they've diversified as a group to provide a more varied set of products to their audience. This diversification has led to fantastic growth for the group as, well, I'm sure you can imagine once you've bought a mattress, you don't really need another one for a few years. Uh, and any additional products are, are likely to be quite low ticket. But let's get Laura on now to explain how this diversification has helped grow this fantastic and still quite young DC business. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining me today. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself, give us a bit of your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. I'm Laura Fiatella. I'm the director of CRM at Helix. I am coming from a very long tenure in the agency world where I work with a bunch of different DSC clients um, and eventually kind of was ready to settle down with the brand and ended up at Helix working with a really great team on the growth marketing um, and acquisition team. Uh, and then I began to scale out our email, SMS, kind of lifecycle marketing, and um, quickly built it up into a department. And now I, I manage the, the customer journey and, and data analytics behind that too. Awesome. All right. Sounds really good. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll kind of get straight into things, I, I guess. Um, what, what do you think has been the, one of the biggest contributors to growth for Helix, um, I suppose, as a group? Because it's a group, of, uh, a group of companies, isn't it? A group of brands. Yeah, so Helix Sleep started about six years ago, and um, we were growing very quickly, and we saw a real uh, opportunity to start to kind of build in the same space. And so we launched um, Birch Living in 2018, 2019, and that's our organic mattress line. And then last year, we launched All Form, which is our kind of first foray out of the bedroom and into the living room with our modular sofa. And so um, now the Helix League team manages all of these brands. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You get to work on like a, a bunch of different types of media. Yeah. Okay. So, so kind of the, the biggest contributor to growth is the fact that you've gone, uh, we, we can target these different markets, kind of different products. Yeah. Um, and, and just gone for, I guess, those like hero products in each category rather than, uh, trying to build out, you know, just the mattress company with accessories and and extra bits. For sure, and I think that um, we really took a position to really scale up by looking at you know the best incremental dollar. And so when we started to look at that as opposed to just like let's make the most money possible, like regardless of the cost, we started to find. Um, unique opportunities that like we might not have really invested in before because we weren't sure if it was going to pay back to the same rate um, to be profitable. Um, and that's part of the reason why, because sheets are never going to garner the same amount of uh, revenue, regardless of the volume as you can if you're selling mattresses or a sofa. Yeah. Uh, so what's, um, what are some of those uh, kind of opportunities you've seen? I think the biggest opportunity we're looking at right now is... Um, Taking a look at the kind of review space, affiliate is a very big channel for us. We see um, affiliate marketing as uh, an interesting position, specifically the mattress vertical. Um, when you're a bed in a box, people are not able to go to the store and try it out. So they really do need the kind of third party, even customer level reviews. You're like this does feel firm, you know, this is really comfortable. Um, and that's been a really easy way to kind of sell through our value props. Okay, so when you say you're looking into the review space, you're looking at those 
uh, like third-party review websites, the comparison kind of comparison websites, those really high-profile websites who are going to say, if you are looking for this type of mattress, this one's going to be the best for you. Yeah. So they're really huge for us. And then also just reviews from customers. We're seeing, we're investing a ton in like um, acquiring customer reviews. We use Yapo and they've been a really great partner to help surface a lot of these different um, customer-led kind of reviews, but also content. So our customers love to submit photos of their living room for all form. And they're always just like really beautiful. And it helps to kind of put the mattress from the site itself into someone's home. And I think that that's just reviews as a whole, um, both affiliate and customer driven are really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like kind of richer reviews, the ones that use video, um, video photo. Um, if, if people go into detail around, um, uh, you know, like the product attributes, so how soft the mattress is or, and whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for, for products like yours, where maybe someone can't go and actually see it and try it for themselves, it's even more important because then you're getting as much of that information as possible as a customer without actually being able to go and use it yourself. So 100%. This, uh, I suppose there's still a bit of trust involved and, and saying, well, you know, I've still got to hope that this is the right matches for me rather than being able to know. But uh, yeah, if you're able to look over the reviews and things. Um, but do you offer like money back guarantees, returns, periods? Yes. So we have a 190 sleep trial or a couch potato trial, I think it is for all four. Yeah. And it's, we're very open to people returning. I think that, you know, a lot of people in the DUC space is like, we don't want to keep our, our returns low, but we, we truly do believe the product so much so that like, if the first one doesn't work, then we're willing to help to find you one that fits better. Um, and we genuinely want people to sleep better. So if it's not right, then it's okay. Yeah. So do you try, if someone says they want to return it, do you try and replace it rather than return it? Yes. Because sometimes it is just like a minute feel kind of change or we'll offer, um, like a topper, if it, it makes it more comfortable, if it's too firm. So there's different solutions that we have to help people to kind of um, break in their mattress a little bit better. It's also, not only is it a large purchase, it's also a large product. So it's very hard to return. Um, and so we really do our best to kind of decrease our carbon footprint across the board, not just for work. And so we, we try and help the customers where we can. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it it makes sense, doesn't it? Especially if someone if someone's explaining that the issue with the yeah. product and explaining it in a way which your customer service agents can say, "Well, we know we can fix this." Yes, exactly. Then it makes sense to try and fix it instead of just saying, you know, a, a lot of companies have um, no questions asked return policies, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe they take it a little bit too far by by just saying, "Okay, cool, you want to return it, you return it." When actually you could be saying... That's so funny. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it, it should be... No questions asked should be... We're not going to ask you questions about have you used it properly or... Right. Uh, you know, and try and figure out... Uh, uh, we're not trying to figure out how we can avoid the return. Yeah. We want to see if the return is actually not necessary because you can you can do better. Uh, you, you can fix it. So I think that's a, that's a really good approach, especially like you say, if the product's a bit of a hassle to return. Yeah, for sure. I imagine a lot of people would be quite receptive to that and say, well, actually, yeah, instead of going through the hassle of returning it, 
send me this other product uh, to add to it and we'll see if it fixes it. Yeah, for sure. Knowing that if it doesn't, you can still go back. So that's really good. Um, and what's, uh, what's a challenge at the moment? What's uh, What are the biggest challenges you're facing? So I would say that we're at a kind of critical point in our growth as a company where we've done a lot of like very like intense growth marketing, like hacky kind of looking for the next best opportunity. And we're really definitely led by the data, but now we almost have too much data. And so we're at a place where we need to get our data into a a kind of form and visualization where it's more scalable, it's more actionable by more people at the company. Um, And that's been a, a very big challenge. I think that transitioning to like a more professionalized data stack is something that we've been working on for a while. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously data is important. It helps you make all the decisions. Um, but it's got to be kind of easily accessible to people. Yes. And I, I, by that, I don't just mean uh, everyone needs to be able to log into a dashboard and see the data. It's got to be understandable. Yes. Right? It, it is way too easy to... Uh, to take one interpretation of data and then just run with it, right? I, I've got an example, um, running a test at the moment with a client where we're hiding reviews on the mobile version of the site. Right. Right. So, you know, that normal place where you've got the product product title, the, the price, and you normally get the reviews there, right? So the reason this came about is because th- those reviews weren't there. So I said, well, let's, let's, let's activate them. Let's run an A-B test to remove them so that we can see the impact that it's had. And this initial test has shown a reduction in conversion rate of about 11% when the reviews are there. Now, Interesting. <laughs> a lot of people would see that and say, well, in that case, we need to, we need to take reviews off the mobile site. Yeah. Right? Off the mobile um, product pages. I, I, I haven't found the solution yet, but I'm pretty sure that's not the answer, right? I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's something else going on. My suspicion is that um, the reviews, when you click that review thing, which looks clickable, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't actually take you to where the reviews are. And so my my theory is that that is causing a negative experience. People aren't finding the reviews. Yeah. They're, see- they're seeing that it says 20 reviews on this product, but they're not able to find them because it doesn't click to them. So the next test we're going to run is when people click on that, it will take them to the reviews. Yeah. And then I'm obviously hoping that you know, conversion rate will be up. If, <laughs> if, it, sure. if it doesn't go up, then I'm stuck a little bit. <laughs> yeah, if that happens, let me know because we're really all in on reviews, like I said. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely feel like it, if people are getting driven to nothing, it creates this um, sense of distrust. And when you don't have that kind of um, the brand loyalty that you're trying to build pre-purchase, it could definitely like impact how people feel about the brand as a whole. Yeah. I mean, there's there's dead end, uh, what's it called? Dead end experiences, dead end moments. Yeah. You know, where you, you know, for example, a product is out of stock and you don't right. give the customer the option to do anything. Right. It's like, what are they supposed to do? Like, you don't, yeah. you're not like giving them an email sign up or something. At least the email sign up. And then once they've yeah. done the email sign up, what's next? Still give them the next step. This is kind of mm-hmm. a, a step worse than that because it's actually saying, not only are we dead ending this experience, but we're dead ending it when you are expecting something to happen. You're driving them to it. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of something I, I wanted to get into, actually, because you know the, the natural response 
when, when I pointed out that mobile reviews weren't actually showing, the natural response would be, well, let's switch it on, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone does it. Everyone has those reviews in that place. So let's, let's just do it. Um, and obviously, this, doing the same thing doesn't work on every site, right? So what I wanted to ask you was, obviously, you've got three different brands, three different websites, but all controlled by the same team. So it must be quite tempting to take a learning from one website and just apply it to the other, right? Yeah. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you deal with that? What's the approach to that? And how, how do you, I guess, how do you push back on that as well if it, if it comes from elsewhere? Yeah, that's definitely... I will say when we started out on this kind of new trajectory for the company where it was lateral growth as well as vertical growth, um, that was part of the hypothesis. We were just like, if we know that this works for D2C and we're good at e-com, then we should be able to kind of like launch these brands like turnkey. You know what I mean? Um, And that quickly was proven false. (laughs) Birch was an entirely different animal. I think that almost... Eight out of ten times when we would try something that we knew worked on Helix, like almost immediately, it it was just not having the same kind of impact to the bottom line when it went to Birch. And so that brand really put us kind of back on our heels a bit. And we're like kind of back in the drawing board. All right, we have to like really think about this completely differently. So I would say that it, it was definitely something that was a, a massive learning curve in that sense. Um it's, it's still a constant struggle. Um, when I'm looking at you know our email strategy, specifically that, because it comes down to copy so much, which is like, we know that copy that's like made in America, which all of our brands are, works really well. It works well on Helix and it works well on all form, but it doesn't really work well for Birch. And that, oh, okay. you know, you would see like, it's like, if two out of three times it does, you know, you think. But I will say that despite the difficulty that we have when things work on one brand and don't work on another brand, you at least know you're putting your best foot forward when you are testing or you're building a new site and it gives you a confident first step um, with some foundation. It might be a little bit shaky, but that's definitely been helpful as we've launched other brands. Yeah, it's a helpful like source of ideas, I suppose. Right, exactly. You know, you've, you've got a load of things you know have worked. You've got a load of things you know you have, haven't worked. Yes. Uh, and I suppose you, you test them both, right? You know, in the yeah. same way that if something does work on Helix but doesn't work on, sorry, Birchwood, is it? It's Birch. Birch. Just Birch. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, the, the opposite could be true, right? So something that doesn't work on Helix might work on Birch. 100%. And we have seen that, um, you know, like for example, when we launched Birch, it was still in that like really high Facebook consideration type of um, e-commerce marketing space where everyone was like, you can launch brands on Facebook and you can brands can die on Facebook. Like you don't even need anything else. And so we had done so much prep to make sure that we were coming out with a really strong, you know, campaign and making sure that everything was covered, all of our data and our behavioral targets were covered. And it didn't work. It was just like, it just didn't work. And it was like, we were speaking into the void and it made no sense. You know what I mean? We were investing. It wasn't like we weren't getting reach. Um, and then that's when we realized, like, it's a brand new brand. People that are looking at organic mattresses specifically, like something that's that high of a product and that specific of a niche, they, it needs to be like triple, double verified by like somebody else. And that's when we were like, let's look to affiliate. And so that whole channel really grew the brands in a way that took it to the next level, I think. 
Okay. Yeah. See, that's um, yeah. So a lot of brands would use like expert expert testimonials and things on yes. site, which I suppose do work. But yeah, if you've got that expert testimonial on a third party site that you don't yes. have control of, that's a bit of an extra little boost on it, isn't it? Because it's from the customer's yeah, yeah, from the customer's point of view, like it, it, that can't really be made up exactly because it's on another website. Whereas you can write whatever you want. On uh, technically, yeah, <laughs> uh, on, on a website, I think in is it in the US? I think I think someone told me this. You get adverts which are like de- you know dentist adverts or something, and mm-hmm. then in the in the kind of fine print of the advert, it will say like this person's not actually a dentist. Yeah, yeah, right. or they've been like they've been paid for their this yeah. person's been compensated for their time and their review or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I suppose you, you you could look at e-commerce websites and think, well, is this really an expert or is it someone this yeah. this company has hired to to just chat about it? Um, whereas you, you can't as easily do that on a third party website. Right. I think you mentioned to me before that the brands were brought in to extend custom lifetime value as well as, I suppose, new acquisition, um, but not just to be their own brands. So how do the how do the brands interact with each other? You know, is there a lot of cross-selling um, between them? Is is it obvious to the customer that these brands are linked? So we're in a position where we can do both, which I think is something that allows us to not only um, acquire new customers at a very rapid clip, but then also kind of bring in that LTV aspect. And so when you come to a site, there's different sort of um, indications that will help you kind of realize that we're a family of brands. So when when we talk about family of brands, which is what we, what we call it, um, there's a universal navigation bar. So in the top, you'll see that like it's Birch Living by Helix. It's all formed by Helix. It's Helix Sleep by Helix. And so that helps to kind of visually trigger the relationship. Um, and we speak to it in a lot of our CRM efforts. You know, we set up specific campaigns that help people to understand you know, this is why you love us as a mattress company. But we took all of that same science, all of the same learnings, and all of the same industry understanding and applied it to, uh, to a sofa. And so the good thing to say is that because all of these purchases are high consideration, people have done a lot of research. And because they've done a lot of research and they've actually made the purchase, chances are they are pretty bought it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we're able to kind of use different cross on messaging to help bridge the gap between the three. Um, and it definitely, it, the trust that we're able to build with our customers helps to kind of see that as they're traveling across all three brands Yeah, with the data. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I suppose it, the obvious main benefit is you've got to acquire a customer once on a, on a yes. pretty high value product. And then the cost of getting them onto one of your other products is going to be a lot lower because they might still come back through an advert or something. Right. A hundred percent. And I think that like the biggest thing is that chances are if you're buying a new mattress, there's a strong chance you're probably moving, which means that if you're moving, you might be wanting to buy a sofa too. Um, so we're trying to really tap into that, um, the habit, you know, moving is definitely something that people don't do often, but when they do do it, we want to be the brand that they go to when they need to furnish their new home. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you can answer this one, but are you are you looking into kind of other like similar spaces? So you know, other furniture and things, or are you going for? Is the big focus around kind of mattress, sofa, 
I suppose. Do you still pillows? Pillows and bedding on the on on the, the mattress sites. Yes, so we do sell um, pillows and sheets um, sets as like in conjunction as like an ancillary product, not in, independently of that. It's a new products because of you know some developments that have been happening. But we are definitely not opposed to looking at like other um, home good products that we think that will help to make people's lives some more simple and that our kind of scientifically backed approach would make sense for. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys are merging with uh, Brooklyn Bedding. Is that right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you see that kind of uh, affecting things okay, well, in a positive way, hopefully? Um, but yeah, is this going to change the <laughs> approach at all? Um, do, do you already see any opp- big opportunities there? Yeah. So the merger with Brooklyn Bedding is extremely exciting. Um, we are obviously a pretty big company in the space and they are two in very different ways that complement our strengths. Um, and so it's, it's really excited that we'll not only be able to really learn from their team who are very big in manufacturing um, and their leaders in that space, whereas we're not as more as familiar, you know, we're an e-commerce company um, and so we're excited to grow our roster of brands by bringing them under like the, our e-commerce umbrella. Um, so there's just like a lot of complementary and you know, a lot of integration vertically. I would say that as far as what's changing from a marketing perspective, honestly, not much because the way we look at it is that we prioritize brands and opportunities based as what will increase growth and is the next biggest opportunity for us. So you know, when we launched Birch and Allform, it wasn't as if we stopped working on Helix, you know, when these companies launched. We really do go in with the kind of agnostic view of like, what is the next best place for us to spend time and allocation and resources and investment? Um, and we're going to kind of fold in these other brands into that kind of prioritization. Um, so that's, it's just really exciting because, you know, we're going to be able to enter new areas of the mattress place. For example, um, Brooklyn Bedding has RV mattresses. We've never done that before, but it's really exciting because it's just yet another touch point where we can use our expertise to kind of expand into an entirely different audience than anything we've seen before. Yeah. And and I suppose you're you bringing on a whole new team who will have different ways of doing things. They'll have their own ideas, their own... Uh, backlog isn't the word I'm looking for, but uh, like, yeah, I kind of like back catalog of tests and (laughs) tests and experiences that they've done and can now feed into the rest of the company to say, well, you know, have you, have you thought about testing this? Have you thought about that? Oh, you know, when we tried to target this audience uh, with this sort of messaging, it didn't work really well. And we know that that was because of X, Y, Z. Exactly. And in the same way, like we were discussing before, how things that didn't work for Birch maybe will work for Helix and vice versa. Now we've just almost quadruple folded, you know, that kind of whole arsenal of different insights and learnings that we can kind of capture by being in this kind of um, group function. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to touch quickly on uh, CRM. Yeah. Because uh, that's obviously your, your main role. Um, do you... I mean, is it email, SMS, direct mail? Do you, do you cover, kind of cover a bit of everything? Yep. How, how are you finding direct mail work for you? Just kind of curious. 
Well, in the past, we've seen that it wasn't as incremental as we would have hoped. Um, when we work with certain partners, they've been able to do like holdout tests. And so in the same way we looked at, you know, Facebook or you know, certain influencers, it wasn't kind of matching up to our goals for profitability. And that was in, I want to say 2018, 2019. Um, and now we're kind of taking another stab at it. So we're looking at different ways to engage with direct mail. One of the ways is through Poplar and in an almost like a programmatic way um, that we're able to target within the same dashboard, our email campaigns and direct mail. So essentially someone could get an abandoned cart email and then they get the next touch point would be direct mail, which I think could be very different than how we tested it and a lot more efficient. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it needs to be, it needs to fit in with the rest of the communications. Yeah. Um used as, as one of those steps rather than a completely separate thing. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm testing it out for a client at the moment. Um, we're not seeing much from it at all, but I think that's the nature of the client's business. Um, it's just it, it's just not working so well for them. But um, I, I've had loads of success in the past. Um, uh, I used to work in the gambling industry and it's quite, oh. uh, it's quite big in the UK here. Oh, really? Um, like that. Uh, a lot of the operators will send out direct mail and they're normally quite quite well designed very colorful you know they're very obviously a marketing piece right yeah there's, there's none of this like plain text or postcard or handwritten or anything like that no it's they're very very on brand very uh very colorful um but it works really well for them so that's great um the the best that i had was a uh, an actual handwritten note because um, it was uh, when, when we were wow. first test, when we were first testing out for this startup, we could, we, you know, we had the the ability to do that, um, and it worked incredibly. But it worked really, really well for people who were customers. Um, um, so it was a, a digital subscription product, and we found that if someone was in their free trial, the postcard didn't do anything for them. If they'd already made their first payment, then it had a massive impact on customer retention. Oh, that's so interesting. But again, that was that, like, understanding that just because the first test failed doesn't mean you just end it. You say, well, 100%. What, what do we test next? Yeah, so that, that worked really, really well for me. Um, and then I think, uh, I think they stopped doing it after I left. <laughs> um, which is a shame. Um, was there anything else, anything else you wanted to add about uh, kind of Helix Group? Um, no, I think that... You know, we are always open to like really new ideas. So I'm always willing to chat with other people in the space. So it's been like really exciting to talk to you. Um, and I would say that one opportunity that we're really looking into from a CRM perspective, as opposed to like the entire company level, is SMS. Um, we're seeing a ton of um, growth there, month over month, and certainly year over year. Um, so we're full in on that. And I'm very, very excited about the future of SMS. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I know, are you guys on Shopify? Um, Helix is. The other two are headless Shopify. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, uh, there's obviously uh, more apps coming out and more, more more platforms that can help with things like SMS. There's more integrations with platforms like Clavio, which obviously make it a lot easier. But the tech for SMS has been there. And it, and it has been a possibility to to trigger them at the correct time, right? You know, with, 
uh, alongside your your kind of normal email marketing automation. But it's just really interesting that I've heard so much conversation about SMS in the last nine months. Yeah. Like uh, just an unbelievable amount compared to before. It was almost never mentioned before. I completely agree. (laughs) It's just the rage. And and I I kind of don't really understand why. Because I I know there are a couple of like good, good platforms that have come out, but I don't, I can't look back and pinpoint anything that's made me go, okay, SMS has to be the big thing. I feel like it has to do with the fact that um, traditional means of contacting customers aren't working as well. So I'll tell you why I'm excited. I'm really excited because we know how important it is to build a one-to-one relationship and there is no better channel to do than SMS. That level of um, technical ability is now really starting to like rubber meets the road. Um, We've been running SMS for about two years now. And I completely agree. I would say that like in the last six months, it's been incredibly for a lot of marketers. And only in the last nine months, I would say I've really heard people talking about AI one-to-one conversational messaging or SMS in a way that's been really like progressive. Um, And that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the one-to-one conversation is going to be really interesting. Um, Again, testing this out, um, with one service provider who I won't name, uh, just because of what I'm going to explain. Um, well, I was actually analyzing the performance the other day and, and stats wise, the numbers look great, right? If you're just looking at the numbers, but I looked into a load of the conversations mm-hmm. and a load of the conversations kicked off with, hi, it's this person from this company. I noticed you were looking at this product. Um, would, uh, like basically, would you like a discount? Um, and it's abandoned cart triggered, right? And obviously, 95% of the people who responded said yes. They would like a discount, right? Because of course you're going to say that. And the other 5% were people who had already of ordered. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've, I've made a change to that. And now the first, the first message is going to be, I noticed you were looking at this product. Uh, did you have any questions? Can I help you with anything? And we're going to see what um, what happens with this. And the idea is, I want I want these responses to be, you know, to actually answer their questions, deal with any concerns they've got, you know, talk about free shipping, free returns, and all that. Yeah. I don't. I, I want us to hold back the discounts until, you know, late in the conversation if we have to, rather than just just offering it straight up. So, really, really interesting to see where this goes. Um, Hopefully, I'll have some more data in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm like very excited too. We're doing a lot of testing there. So uh, I think that we'll have a lot more insight within the next probably six months. Yeah, cool. Um, cool. J- just before we finish up then, um, uh, is there yeah. anyone in the, in the D2C world who you'd, uh, you'd really like to go for lunch with? So perfect segue. I would um, love to go to lunch with the founder of Dirty Lemon. Um, particularly because I think he really revolutionized the way I thought about SMS um, because they're an end-to-end shopping experience on mobile SMS. And I feel like he was kind of ahead of the curve on that. Um, They had launched that way years ago. And I just would love to get an idea of where he sees SMS in the next five years. Okay. I'm not sure I'm familiar with Dirty Lemon. It's the lemonade that has like um, charcoal in it. Never heard of it. I I wonder if it's a US thing. 
I think, yeah, I definitely US, but I don't know if they're international. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, have, I haven't heard of them. Might have to check them out. I'll, I'll double yeah. check to see if they are. But um, <laughs> okay, so they've been doing loads, loads of good stuff with SMS. Yeah. Uh, like forever. Is that kind of managing subscriptions and things or? You can, yeah, pretty much. You can, you have a subscription, you can order, you can like check out on SMS. Like it's really crazy oh, how okay. they started out. So it's really exciting how they think about it. Yeah. So the checkout on SMS, is that what, like once you're in as a customer, you're able to do it or can you do it as a first time customer? I believe you can do it as a first time customer or you can go to their site. So they have two oh, okay. options now. But when they first started out, it would be like the first purchase is like through SMS, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really interesting, uh, really interesting approach. I might have to look into that. Um, might have to get him on to talk about that. That thing that'd be really good. Yeah, right. Cool. And uh, and yeah, just finally, uh, are there any, uh, like a couple of marketing tools that you use every day that you'd that you'd recommend? Um, we, I honestly would recommend Yapo. I think that you know, there's definitely people who have very strong opinions about them, but they have. Uh, really good tech and they're able to really help us out a lot. So they've been great. And then I would also recommend Optimizely. Um, We're huge fans of Optimizely like across the board because they obviously bought Zayas, which is our ESP. Um, But they also are in massive help when it comes to A-B testing. So really big fans of them. And then I think lastly, I would say Looker. We use Looker as a BI tool and it's been um, really incredible to see some of the work that we're able to do as we're onboarding more and more data. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. Um, cool. Well, th- thanks for joining me. It's been really interesting hearing about Helix Group. Uh, if, if anyone wanted to reach out and just ask you any questions, um, what's the best way of doing that? Um, you can definitely reach out on LinkedIn, like 100%, Laura Fiatoa. And then also my um, Helix email, which is also cool. Okay, awesome. All right, thanks so much, Lo. Thanks so much. So while product diversification has been key to Helix's growth, one particular area they're focused on is their review affiliate partners. Those third-party websites uh, who compare different products, you know, create lists of the best mattresses for XYZ. As Helix is an online business selling mattresses, bedding, and furniture, these are normally items customers want to see for themselves. They want to sit on them, lie on them, make sure they're happy to commit to what is potentially quite an expensive purchase. This makes the third-party review websites alongside their own product reviews really, really important. If you'd like to learn more about Helix's approach to growth, in particular their focus on reviews, feel free to reach out to Law on LinkedIn. As usual, any other feedback, podcast questions, guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or drop me a message on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Brad Smith joining me to talk us through his approach to SEO. It's an episode packed full of actionable tips you can go away and try straight away. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Oh,